Welcome to the Win Daily Show. And now today we have one of my favorite men of all time, my mentor, a guy who's coached me, David Meltzer, co-founder of Sports One Marketing, does a ton of stuff with Entrepreneur, co-authored and authored several books. David, how are you doing in sunny California? I'm doing great, man. I uh, feel great. Everybody's health, happy, healthy, and uh, the best part is really I'm able to use my capabilities to help more people now than ever, which has uh, created just such a great feeling. Yeah, so my first question I got for you is what decision do you think you made that's led you to where you are today? I think the number one decision I made was to understand humility. Uh, people ask me all the time, if you go back when you're 18, what would you tell yourself? And I tell myself, you don't know what you don't know. You got to live your life with radical humility. Uh, ask not only how you could be of service and have helped others, but more importantly, how others can help you, how you can accelerate and grow through the situational knowledge advice, the dummy tax that other people have paid. And it took me years and years to realize the value of the people around me, the sponsors and power sponsors that can truly help me so that I can help others. Now, how do you, I've been around you a lot over the past couple of years and I've learned so much from you. How do you keep your energy so positive all the time? You're moving a mile a minute and how do you keep this energy within that's always so positive? Well, first it's a practice, you know, just like a muscle, um, you know, you can't just go out and clear 20 feet on the pole vault uh, without practicing and developing. And the practice that I started doing 13 years ago was an understanding of, of energy itself, right? The difference, number one, between motivation and inspiration. Motivation, I separate into the capability of getting started. Uh, motivation will drain your energy. Uh, you can't stay motivated. We're all sports people. And I always reflect upon the Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots. The Falcons were extremely motivated. Uh, the Patriots were inspired. And that inspiration sure did last a lot longer than the first half. Um, and Arthur Blank, uh, I think, learned a valuable lesson in his story career from that. More importantly, though, there's two different ways to stay inspired. One is to understand that we're always connected to the greatest source of light, energy, love, and lessons. We're always connected to that which puts this kilowattage into our bodies. We have more power in our pinky that would literally light up all of Manhattan. And what we do is we create interference we create corrosion to that connection. Through the ego mainly, we actually stop the draw of energy. Then once you start practicing how much more energy can I draw, you have to process it through you. And appreciation, forgiveness, accountability, and understanding you as a conduit is the key to that processing of it. So meaning I allow it to come through me and I add value to it through gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability to everything I'm connected to. And then once again, not only is my ego creating an interference between me and you and me and others, but then I have to deal with understanding your ego and understanding how to get alignment and clear that connection because I can't give what I don't have, number one. And two, if there's a corrosion between what I have to give to you and you don't take it, I'm going to end up having a, a, a shortage avoid an obstacle or resistance from you instead of allowing it to come through me for others. I got you. That's, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this. How does David Meltzer shrug off a loss and how do you celebrate a win? Like how long does it take you to get rid of a loss or a defeat that you had? And 
how long do you celebrate a victory in business or in life or your relationships? Um, repeat that one time. Just cut at the end. I'm, I apologize. Yeah. So like, how do you celebrate your victories and how do you shrug off your losses and how long does that last? Like how long do you keep a victory within or a defeat that, you know, you have to carry around with you? You know, I've changed my perspective. I used to be very good at uh, handling defeat and uh, working it from days to hours to week, you know, to moments, you know, my problem was the celebratory side. I used to celebrate way too long. And now my goal is to find my highest frequency, the neutrality of life, so that I never have too much highs and too much lows. I'm always happy. And so I believe that, you know, I'm only down for moments and I'm only too far up for moments because if I go off of that higher source, that higher frequency, uh, then I utilize the practice that I've created over the last 13 years to go ahead and make sure that I'm in the flow, in that neutrality, what I call my highest frequency. Now, do you feel like sports has, has helped you kind of balance that out? Like, because you come from a collegiate athlete background, you've always been around in sports. Has sports kind of molded you to not celebrate that victory for too long because somebody else who's younger is, you know, at your toes trying to try to get ahead of you? Yeah, sports, absolutely. And my business partner, QB1 Kenobi, most people know him as Warren Moon, uh, has taught me other friends of mine like Trevor Moad, uh, the great quarterbacks uh, that utilize this idea of neutrality and to understand, you know, if you watch uh, my business partner, Warren Moon, when, you know, he was way up, you get like just a handshake. And uh, when he was way down, you just get a shake of the head. He was as close to centered as possible. Russell Wilson uh, as well, uh, if you notice, is very neutral. Even, you know, using gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability when he lost the Super Bowl and through that interception, you could truly see the neutrality that he had, which was the same as when he won the Super Bowl. Once again, living in that flow, understanding not only that faith is a currency and that we have to utilize that currency, the object of energy, into the flow in its most efficient, effective, and statistically successful way, the same as we do money. And so I blend, you know, talk about win daily and sports, I blend money as a currency the same as faith. And I think you can be in the flow of currency, the object of energy that you put in the flow with money and with faith. And if you blend it correctly, you can make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Good answer right there, man. So I appreciate the knowledge. Now, what do you suggest to a college kid or a high school kid or somebody who wants to get their start? in sports they have a passion for sports but they don't know how to break through and it's a tough industry to break through so what would be your advice sitting in your chair focus in on the skills the knowledge and the one common denominator of everyone that gets to work where they want to work it's the must be what i can be attitude so if they understand the increment incremental value of growing and accelerating skills and getting those skills through practice, through mentorship, through experience, and as well as knowledge through the same mechanisms. If you develop your skills and gain as much knowledge as you can, but have that must be what you can be attitude, it doesn't matter whether it's sports, entertainment, you know, art, what, whatever you love to do or you want to learn to love to do, those are the three components. And the really, to me, the X factor 
is if you must be what you can be, you will find the skills, you'll develop them, you will find the knowledge and develop it, and you will get into the industry, and not only in the industry get into, but you will accelerate your way to the top. So you got into an industry called eSports. Some people know about it, some people don't know about it. You're partnered with MetaWorld Peace, you own a stake in Splice. How did that happen? Like, why did you make that pivot from sports to esports? And what do you see as the future of esports? Yeah, um, you know, it's one of my favorite stories. I actually was going to the finals for the NBA, and it was the Cavaliers versus the Golden State Warriors. And we went by Oracle, and my son, who was at the time like six years old, he said, Dad, they sold out Oracle for the League of Legends championship. And I didn't believe him. I'm like, people don't watch people play video games. And he said, yeah, Dad. And then my head of media guy looked at me and goes, yeah, they sold out. And he said, Dave, more people were going to watch the, uh, e the League of Legends championship. This is four years ago than the NBA Finals. More people will watch it. And I'm like, can't be. I, I've been in sports so long. I'm a legend. I'm an icon. I know everything. I've read Lee Steinberg, a marketing media. What, what do you mean esports is this big? So after doing, doing due diligence, uh, I started to pay attention to esports, give my intention into esports, and started looking in China, all over for the best team, best opportunity, best partners, Meta World Peace, Marcus Colston, The Weeknd, Chris Overholt, which is now Overactive Media. It's an entire media company, most great eSport teams have become content providers, right? And they understand they're a media company, they're an entertainment company with an extraordinary amount of capacity and potential. Um, and ironically, my favorite part of the story is I told my wife, we invested in it at a certain valuation. I told her it was a, just a marketing play for me. I just wanted to be and have my brand related to eSports, but most likely I was gonna lose my investment. Uh, it has gone up 10 times uh, since I made the investment in the last few years and probably it's the best investment that I've made. And I think still today, it, as far as uh, where, where I put my faith in sports, there's no doubt that we haven't even hit chasm that yeah. if you don't know esports, that's proof that, that uh, how big it's going to be. And I can't believe I went on Barstool. I think you may have been with me, Jason, but I went on Barstool and got interviewed, and I couldn't believe that those guys never even heard of esports. That's when I blew my mind because you know hundreds of millions of dollars are being poured into my team, right? And these guys didn't even know what it was. Just to show you how much room it has to grow, how many traditional media, marketing, sports executive, and owners don't even still have a clue about the unbelievable potential of esports. Yeah, we pivoted at Win Daily to esports when, you know, sports got shut down. And it's a tough dynamic. It's like, okay, we have a great product. All of our guys are winning because they pivoted. Like, just before we got on this call, another guy who's on our team won $10,000 playing esports DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports. But to convince a 40-year-old man to go gamble or play fantasy on esports is a tough sell. And on the backside of things, to tell a millennial that now you can go gamble or invest into esports, they're not really accustomed to that yet. And you hit it perfectly. We're just on the brink. I think this quarantine and pandemic pushed the curve up. Like we we catapulted like six months or a year ahead of where we would have been, but we're still just on the brink of what it's gonna be because these millennials, 
they're kind of coming off the MLB bandwagon. Like, it's a slow game for them. And esports is creeping and creeping. And I know my nephews are 8 and 10. I know Miles is in the, the same type of age range. Like, they're all about it. And then when they become influencers and they're spending money on it, that's when it's really going to – your 10X is going to be 100X at that point. Um, and it's, it's just on the brink right now. Yeah, it's fun because, you know, I always wondered what it would be like to be like an Al Davis or a Gene Klein or some of the old NFL owners when they couldn't even fill the stadium for the Super Bowl, right? And yeah. that's when, you know, the funny thing is I started much later, but as far as America goes and their knowledge of it, uh, it was much like being Al Davis and, you know, these these old owners that people are going to look back going, oh, that Dave Meltzer, what a visionary, you know, and meanwhile... <laughs> It was like my six-year-old son telling me what to do. I hope Miles gets a nice cut of that investment. Are yeah. you? Do you think the same trajectory is upon us with sports betting? You know, a couple of states legalized, New Jersey legalized, and you saw the numbers they did. They superseded Las Vegas, which is kind of hard to believe. But, like, what do you think happens in the next couple of years of sports betting? And when all these – and I think it also speeds up the process with these casinos now – they can't take on the same kind of action they did before. So mobile gaming and these sports betting platforms should blossom. Do you agree with that? Or do you think there's still some time there? Oh, no. It, it, this is, once again, uh, unbelievable opportunity. You know, and I, it, I don't buy stocks anymore. Uh, ever since I lost everything in 2008, I focus my time and energy on making money. And I keep uh, – 10% for investments like in esports, but most of my money goes into secured guaranteed annuities and things that I can't lose my money with because I'm good at making it. But I saw the casino stocks go down, you know, when, when the crash happened. And I'm like, are you kidding me? One of the oldest professions in the world, one of the most guaranteed <laughs> literal professions in the world that if you could invest in anything, and now we've legalized 20 states in the last 18 months, we will bet on anything. You know, if you took gambling out of sports, some of sports, really big sports would die, like golf. If you yep. took gambling out of golf, nobody would play, I think, let alone watch. Um, I mean, it's incredible, let alone the NFL. The amount We've been gambling for years. We love to gamble. And the more available and the more types of games we can gamble on, the better it's going to be. And it's never going to die. We have a need for luck. We have a need for opportunity. We have a need for gambling. So without a doubt, esports gambling are two places that I put my focus and attention on. Nice, nice, nice. So, you know, as a mentor and as a coach and as an investor, were you focusing your time and energy, you know, right now in the investing space? Is it, is it sports and esports or have you kind of gravitated to other fields with all the moving pieces of technology and change that's around us right now? Yeah, well, you know, for me, it's understanding content um, and because monetizing content, including my own content and utilizing that, how do we capture content in the appropriate manner, modify it, amplify it and perpetuate it? And the, most people get parts and pieces of that. I'm, I think, one of the few older, more experienced business and sports people that understand that's always been what we do, whether it's in the newspaper, the radio, black and white TV, color TV, digital, handheld, et cetera. The key to sports has always been how well do you capture it? How well do you modify it? 
amplify it and perpetuate it, which allows us to monetize that real estate. No, that's, that's a great answer to that. Now, I always say to people who, you know, for the most part, aren't into social media, they're not into putting themselves out there and exposing themselves to, to people. And they look at the numbers and say, oh, I only got 10 likes. And I always think about you because for somebody, I'm not trying to age you, but for somebody at this point in the game to go out there and start at zero and dominate social media, how did you do it? Like, what, what did you decide to do? Say, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and kill Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook and just put myself out there. What inspired you to go ahead and do that? Well, it was a combination of one, knowing I had quality content. Right. I my books had done well speaking on stages in front of two people to 20,000 people, whether it was two or 20,000 standing in front of me, they would line up. And you had been there in the traditional side of watching people wait to, you know, hour just to say thank you and get a book signed. So I knew I had quality content. Um, what I did understand was the different platforms and how do you create what consistency do you need? And so Hooking up with Gary Vaynerchuk uh, to me was a godsend. I was just blessed that he needed a little bit of advice on sports uh, agency, uh, running Lee Steinberg, the most notable sports agency. I was able to help him. And then, of course, Gary, he keeps lists of, you you never get ahead of him on giving. And so he was so gracious and asked me what I wanted. And I told him, you know, I have this mission in life to empower over a billion people to be happy. And he goes, what does that look like to you? I said, I just need two ambassadors a year. And he's like, what does that mean? He's all the followers. I said, no, an ambassador is someone that can empower somebody else to empower somebody else. Because eventually if I get a thousand people like you, Jason, that I know is out there empowering another thousand people to empower another thousand, a thousand times a thousand is a million, a million times a thousand is a billion. Humbly, I felt like, wow, what a mission in life that you know, middle-aged mutant turtle like myself, like you said, could actually impact the world with happiness and give them inspiration through what I've written, what I've done. And so utilizing the strategies of just two people at a time, uh, putting up consistent quality content, capturing it, amplifying, modifying, amplifying, and perpetuating it. In less than three years, as you know, we've just been slaying it. No, it's been it's been a model that I've been kind of trying to follow and and following your footsteps. It was around a year ago this time you actually interviewed me. It was one of my first interviews and we went into it cold and we had a relationship at that point, but nothing like we have at this point. And I've been trying to follow in the footsteps and you've been mentoring me through the process and it's been huge. And I want people to understand that a mentor and a coach, successful people have them. You know, it's not something that only weak people have. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like I was speaking to my mom, you know, a couple of weeks ago when she's on quarantine in New York. I'm like, what are you doing right now with your time? She's like, oh, I'm cleaning the house again. I'm like, isn't there something that you'd want to do that's better than cleaning right now? Don't you want to do something that you've always wanted to do? We hit the pause button. You have all these opportunities. And from a coaching standpoint, I'm trying to, you know, take what you've taught me over the years and influence other people. So you got me on board. I'm one of your ambassadors. But just explain to people what mentoring and good coaching is because I'm, I'm assuming you have mentors and you have coaches and you're at the one of the pinnacles and the highest levels and you're still looking to gain knowledge and gain expertise in the, the missing pieces that you haven't kind of put together yet. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, I always have minimum three mentors, people that put themselves or hold the position I want to be in, the situational knowledge, experience, the dummy tax that I want to not have to pay. One of the key coaches that I always have now is a sleep coach. Um, so, What's that about? So I haven't yeah, got any sleep. Life. I got a one-year-old daughter. Sleep is something I desperately need. Yeah, well, I started realizing that sleep is the time when my ego is most out of my own way and that uh, not only does my body need to recuperate, but I actually, instead of having to start every day at the bottom, I could plateau and grow, start every day at the point in which I go to bed at the highest frequency for my day, for all my efforts that I put in. And I ran across a sleep coach that helped the Washington Nationals win the World Series, four road, four road games, which you know they attribute a lot to how rested they were. Really? Um, and so I started studying sleep, get a mentor in sleep, and it you know is the number one habit that we all share. Minimum, most people spend about eight hours a day doing it, and nobody ever pays attention to it or practices it. So I got a sleep doctor who's a sleep mentor. Uh, I have a world business consultant uh, who's also a mentor. I've had you know people like Steve Wynn mentor me on my relationship with money. I've had Warren Moon. We talked about earlier neutrality. Uh, Warren was a huge help of mine to teach me how to live in neutral. He, you know, QB1 Kenobi. I call it the majesty of calmness. So if you don't have three coaches in your life minimum, you're missing out on acceleration and it's, it's my cheat, it's my hack. Mentorship is, is the hack of the century, man. Not only because somebody can teach you what they've done already and you don't have to pay the dummy tax, but usually they have all these relationships that can give you a touch of favor that puts you to the next level. No, I think that's the one thing I really learned by you mentoring me because you exposed me to so many different people. And networking is something that I hope comes back. You know, I've been taking advantage of it virtually because we've all had so much time that it can still happen virtually. But networking, I always found funny that people will go out and spend a hundred dollars and three hours in a crowded bar where you can't even talk to people and drink their sorrows away, but they won't go to a conference or they won't go network and talk to people who have like-minded topics to discuss. And you brought me into that networking world by you having your events. Um, when it comes to these events and these speaking engagements, what is your purpose and, and what do you think that people get from being around different networking events and conferences? Yeah, I think, you know, you're the aggregate of the five people you spend the most time with and that there's four ways to network and you're really good at it, Jason. I know you, you've uh, learned a lot as well, but the first is in person. Now, obviously, during this uh, pandemic, it's difficult to network in person, but the second actually is on the phone. Uh, the two things uh, that I loved and knew you'd be successful is uh, I always tell people, if you want to distinguish yourself today, you have to, number one, be tough. There are no tough times. There's tough people. And Jason, you are a tough dude. And you just are not going to quit. I, I can see from the first time you had your wife, your kid, your businesses, and all this stuff. I'm like, this guy's going to be successful because he's tough. And two, telephone, right? So not only in person, but on the telephone, you can network. In email, you can network. And then media, radio, print, TV, and social media. All of those are the methodology of the platform in which I network. And networking to me is two simple things. Asking a series of questions of how I can provide value and service and asking a series of questions, do you know anybody that can help me? That's it. And to me, that creates the most value, creates the flow. You know, even with money right now, I keep telling people, money's not disappearing. 
It's just slowing down. Let's speed it up, get in the way, and share it with as many people as we can. All right, last question I got for you. This Win Daily hat, this Win Daily brand is not just fantasy sports. It's not just gambling and betting and esports. It's a mindset. It's a lifestyle that I've kind of taken from you, from Gary, from a couple other people. What would, what would you consider your Win Daily mindset, something that you always got structured in the back of your head that every day you're going to stay with this certain mindset that you found successful? You know, for me, it's enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of my potential. But the key to that whole process is enjoying. Meaning most people think you just love what you do and they look at my life and other people you've seen around me, you know, these incredible journeys that we've had. I'm like, oh, he's so lucky. Look, man, nobody loves everything that they do. And the people that are successful are the ones that can learn to love anything. When I was graduating law school, I told my mom, I could learn to love shoveling shit with my hands seven days a week, you know, 12 hours a day if I could buy you a house and a car. I'd learn to love that. And so to me, enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of my potential is the key. And once again, kindness is my superpower, which I try to transmit to everybody be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. Spread happiness. It's the strongest virus out there. You can catch it just by witnessing it. It'll strengthen your immune system. You started with the happiness. I'm ending with the happiness. And I'm just so happy for you and through you. And I appreciate you, my friend. Win daily. Thank you, David. Appreciate the time. And we'll talk soon when this band's lifted. We'll meet in New York or California. Appreciate everything you do for everybody out there. Have a good rest of your day, man. You got it, my friend. Thanks so much. Come to my Friday's training. They're free. I'll be there, man.